Hi, this is Dr. Tony Cartledge. I'm professor of Old Testament in the Campbell University Divinity School, and this rhymes with orange. That's my jaw click. <laughs> Today we're excited to welcome Dr. Tony Cartledge to the podcast. He is a professor of Old Testament at the Divinity School, and he has a great story to tell about his friendship with Mr. Rogers. Billy and I were super excited to hear about that. We were excited that Professor Cartledge had this story of knowing Mr. Rogers and uh, um, and the fact that Mr. Rogers had helped him out during a very difficult time in his life. And then we see this, and then... Um, you and I are both a child of an era where Mr. Rogers was popular, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Uh, and well, actually, was he still was he still on in the nineties? Yeah. Okay. So, all right. Um, but he's making kind of a comeback. I, I mm-hmm. forget the year he died, but you know, several years after his death, he's making a comeback now through um, the documentaries that have come out, and now we have a a new film uh, getting a lot of buzz with Tom Hanks playing the role, and so it just seemed like. This story comes out at a time where Mr. Rogers is kind of in the mainstream again. And uh, so I was excited just for that sole reason. But then we hear his story and it's just really good. This was, this is one of my, we're 52 episodes in, 53 episodes in. This was one of my most enjoyable experiences doing this podcast. Definitely. Me too. He seems like a really interesting guy. I can't wait for y'all to hear his story, but... Um, we found out that he's also an author of quite a few works, and some of his works he ran by Mr. Rogers during their friendships. So after our interview uh, with uh, Dr. Cartledge, you and I um, stuck around for a little bit, and we were just kind of discussing our uh, our childhood TV-watching experiences, which is interesting because now as a parent, I'm very, um, probably not as careful as I should be, but <laughs> I'm still mindful of the drivel that my children <laughs> take in. We don't let them watch a ton of television. Do they have a time limit? They do, yeah. And it's not... So I remember my childhood, it was wake up, grab a bowl of cereal on Saturday morning, turn on the TV, and vegetate for four to five hours until, you know, the, Meet the Press came on. <laughs> Meet the Press told me that my cartoon watching was done and I had to go outside and play. But my, my kids don't really do that. I don't even know if... Saturday morning cartoons are a thing anymore, but definitely Mr. Rogers was a part of my childhood. Uh, I I enjoyed it. I did, and uh, but maybe I I think when I reached a certain age, I thought, eh, you know, maybe I'm too old for this or whatever. <laughs> and then when you're an adult, you go back and you realize that a lot of the things he tells children um, on his show are uh, are pretty, you know. They're kind of dark. Yeah, dark, well, he gets not, deep with kids. He gets very deep, yeah, and, and it's very meaningful, and these are lessons that, that's the reason he's making a comeback, because these are lessons that you can still, um, as an adult, look at and say, sure. yeah, I should have listened to Mr. <laughs> Rogers. Um, but then you and I were talking about, well, what did we watch? And so I'm going to I'm gonna pose that question to you. What was Yay. your, what was your <laughs> you, your parents are a little more strict with your TV time, is that correct? A little bit. Uh, I always joke that my parents were half Amish. It's not true at all. <laughs> they were they were strictly PBS. We were not a Disney household. We yeah. we were not cable people. Uh, so I watched a lot of Mister Rogers and the other memorable TV shows are all from PBS. Uh, Dragon Tales, Arthur, 
Cyber Chase, which oh. is probably not around anymore. Read Between the Lions, a favorite. Okay. There was the science-y show called Zoom that I liked, and of course, Zaboomafu. I was delighted when I moved down here and realized there are lemurs at Duke University 20 yeah. minutes away from me. So those were the staples, I think. Okay. And we were not Saturday morning cartoons. Oh. We were Saturday morning chores. So that was fun. That's probably for best. But <laughs> did, were you a, uh, you, you mentioned a lot of PBS shows. Were you a sure. Caillou? Oh, I hated everything <laughs> about Caillou. I hated his voice. I hated his name with five vowels in it. So, yes. Ten we, years old. I didn't understand Caillou. We, we uh, introduced PBS to our kids, too. And, and our kids, some of the newer shows, The Wild Kratts and uh, mm-hmm. um, uh, Sesame Street, which made a oh, comeback. And then... Uh, Oh, what were some of the others? Just a uh, word girl, and uh, but yeah, Caillou. Oh, Curious George. I love Curious George, and that was probably <laughs> after your childhood. But Curious George on PBS was. Uh, I I would sit and watch that, but Caillou that would come on, and and even my kids are like, you know, my two year olds. Dad, he's kind of he's kind of lame, and yeah, he's pretty he, whiny. He's <laughs> very whiny. He always goes rosy <laughs> talking to his little sister. It's terrifying. Not very good lessons. But you go back for me, and it was the eighties. And I think NBC had this block of cartoons, which was the Smurfs. I would stop everything I was doing for the Smurfs. I think Punky Brewster had a cartoon back then, too. I would stop everything I was doing for the Smurfs. Once I heard, I was, uh, drop everything. I had to watch the Smurfs. And then, uh, anyways, it's all interesting. But a very interesting thing that Dr. Cartlidge says in this interview is uh, the reason he got into Mr. Rogers was because he realized when he had children that most, most television for children was terrible. And looking back, I say I have to agree with him. <laughs> I have to agree with him, and that's what made Mr. Rogers uh, world famous. And so um, I hope everybody enjoys us as much as we did. Me too. <laughs> so without further ado, <laughs> this is Dr. Tony Cartlidge on Rhymes with Orange. Well, we have you on the show today because we saw an article about your Mr. Rogers-inspired lessons from the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And we noticed there's been kind of a resurgence of Mr. Rogers lately. Um, I've seen a couple documentaries on Netflix recently and mm-hmm. watched them and loved them. And we know that there's a, a Tom Hanks movie coming out soon That's right. um, about his life and his mission. And when we heard that you had actually met Mr. Rogers as fans of the show, we really wanted to know more. So uh, first off, can you tell me about the series of talks you did, um, where you did them, and what was the idea behind the series? Well, it's actually not a series. Uh, the, apparently, the article you saw mm. misunderstood. I have one talk. <laughs> one talk <laughs> counts as a series in our mind. Well, uh, this might be your second one. So. There you go. <laughs> well, I've done this, the talk a number of times. That might be but, where I go. But it's, uh, it's, it's, it, I do the same talk. Okay. I had a chance to share it in a number of churches. Uh, it was originally done for our chapel service in the mm-hmm. Divinity School last November. Uh, right before Thanksgiving, uh, and not long before that, a, a gentleman came to interview me who is uh, writing a book about Mr. Rogers, and oh. uh, he's hoping, of course, to time the release with the, uh, the with the film. Sure, coming out. That'll work out well, hopefully. So um, that's uh, uh, when I was asked to speak in chapel. I had been thinking about Mr. Rogers uh, and one of the important lessons he teaches is to be thankful. Mm -hmm. So I decided uh, to do something a little different, a little creative, and uh, to uh, use that opportunity to uh, kind of bring Mr. Rogers to life for those who who remembered him. Definitely. 
do you happen to notice if students today do remember Mr. Rogers? Unfortunately, uh, most people born after 2000 or so have yeah. no idea who mm-hmm. he is. They may have seen the cartoon about Daniel Striped Tiger uh-huh. uh, that was created later. Uh, but a lot of children uh, who grew up after 2000, unless their parents have intentionally found Mr. Rogers on Amazon sure. or somewhere or uh, or on the NPR website, uh, they don't know who he is. And yeah. uh, I think that's sad. <laughs> it is, but you mentioned Daniel Tiger. Um, I have children who are of that age, mm-hmm. and uh, my middle one and my oldest one love Daniel Tiger. And... Uh, um, had you seen that? Did the PBS? I've seen the. It's animated, correct? It's animated, yes. yeah. But it's, I've seen bits and pieces. Yeah. Right. yeah. And I should have said PBS instead of NPR just now. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to find back episodes, no, that's it would totally be PBS, fun. not NPR. So, so for this sermon, though, um, you, you're inspired by Miss Rogers, but you go a step further. I saw in the picture, and I wonder if you did this for the sermon as well. Do you don the, the red sweater and, mm-hmm. and go for the whole aesthetic and the whole look there? I do indeed. Okay. Uh, do you put your shoes on at the beginning and I, walk in and go to I, the closet? <laughs> I, I do. I have a um, I have a recording of the background music for "It's a Beautiful yeah. Day in the Neighborhood," and so I generally enter from off stage and I come out singing "It's a Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood." Oh. Nice. Uh, change out of my uh, suit coat into a sweater and uh, sit down on a bench and change my shoes. Uh, and um, put on sneakers. I can never do it quite as quickly as he did. He had a gift for that, uh, I think. <laughs> and uh, then I begin the presentation by saying, you know, I'm not pretending to be Mr. Rogers, but he was a friend of mine. Mm. Why do you think that was such this a helps put me in the mood? Yeah. <laughs> Why do you think that was such a iconic, effective introduction for him? Because it was consistent. I think when children watch that, it helped them settle down. Part of his purpose was to have a program for children that that wasn't chaotic and havoc and violence and noise and fast moving. He wanted something simple and slow and stable. He even trained himself to speak at exactly the rate of words per minute that specialists told him children could best understand. Wow. And so... Uh, he wanted it to be something calm, and that helped set the stage. You knew when Mr. Rogers came in, put on his sweater and his sneakers, that you were going to have a nice, calm visit, and something fun would probably happen, and you'd learn something, and it just helps calm things down. That's so true. I remember being absolutely enchanted by that part of the show. It was such a, from the intro where you see the whole neighborhood, mm-hmm. aerial shot of the neighborhood and the music, yeah. um, it was just so different from everything else on television and I really feel like it hasn't it hasn't seen a replacement and yeah. I don't think it ever will because yeah. especially if you brought in shorter. a box or something and, and you oh, knew yeah. he had something to show you the guests were the best part and, too and it could be very simple but the way he presented it you were quite interested mm-hmm. in it, like feeding the fish every day yeah so you say you've, you've given the sermon um, a number of times what's mm-hmm. uh uh, what's been the the feedback? What's been the uh, obviously you have people who will approach you after any sermon, but um, how has the response been different for this one? It so far has been almost uniformly very positive, especially from people who remember Mr. Rogers, <laughs> who watched him themselves, or who watched it with him with their children, uh, and it brings back happy memories for them. Uh, I had 
one lady for some reason who came up and said, I never let my children watch. (laughs) (laughs) I I don't know if she didn't let them watch television or I can't imagine why she would not let them watch Mr. Rogers. Right. But uh, the vast majority of people uh, have been very positive. People who don't know Mr. Rogers sometimes will come and say, boy, you make me wish I had had seen him more. And I tell them where they can find the episodes. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good idea. And, I just think it's wonderful that you actually, you did meet him and you do call him a friend. Mm-hmm. Um, can you tell us how you guys met? Yes, it was, um, it, it was, uh, it was a very meaningful time. Uh, it came out, came out of tragedy in a sense. Uh, in 1994, in January of 94, uh, my seven-year-old daughter and I were driving back from Georgia and, uh, ran afoul of a drunk driver uh, in a pickup truck who broadsided our car, and my daughter was killed immediately. And uh, I was uh, broken up pretty badly, uh, and spent some time in intensive care and later in the hospital and had surgery to put my arm back together. Uh, and during the weeks of recovery at home, one of the ways um, I tried to help work through my grief uh, and process things was that I... Uh, borrowed a laptop computer from someone who worked at IBM. In 1995, yeah. laptop computers were not common. Right. But he had an early ThinkPad, and they let me borrow it because I could hold it in my lap and type. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though my right arm wasn't very functional, I could do that. And so I would write letters to people, uh, thank you notes to people that I thought had been special to Bethany. And I wrote a letter to Mr. Rogers. Uh, one of the, our favorite things uh, was to watch Mr. Rogers together. It, uh, he came on TV about the time I got home from work, and she and I would often sit and watch it together. I thought she had remarkable self-esteem uh, and a good attitude toward life, and I credited some of that to what she learned from him. So I wrote a nice letter and uh, uh, just thanked him uh, yeah. for being her neighbor. I didn't expect anything to come of it, Maybe a form right. response yeah. or something. But about a week later, he called. Yeah. Uh, called you. Called Didn't us, write. Wow. Uh, and uh, talked for probably half an hour. Uh, never spoken to anyone any more pastoral or caring. The um, first thing he said was, please call me Fred, <laughs> which I did and counted that a great privilege. Uh, and he... Just showed a lot of care. He promised to pray for uh, for me and asked me to pray for him, and uh, wanted said he wanted to stay in touch. I took him seriously. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, as I would write little things, poems or uh, essays or things, uh, as I continued to kind of process what I was feeling, I would occasionally send something to him, and he would always write back with a personal note and. And tell me it was good. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure Mr. Rogers always told the complete truth, <laughs> uh, but he would always brag on what I sent uh, as to how nice it was. That December, I was going to be in Pittsburgh for another meeting. And so I wrote and asked if uh, we might possibly meet. And so he invited me to come to the studio. And um, the uh, set had all been taken down. They weren't taping at the time, but... Oh. Uh, was able to go spend some time in his office with him. And, and I always tell people, you know, I, I wish you could know what it feels like to be hugged by Mr. Rogers. 
It wow. Was <laughs> very, very special. And uh, we stayed in contact after that. He came, I think, in 96 to do the graduation speech at NC State. And yeah. He invited uh, invited us to come and sit in the president's box and, and have lunch afterwards. And uh, not a lot of personal time with him then. Yeah. But uh, that was quite an honor. And, um, you know, I never tried thought out of imposing uh, on his time anymore. So we were really, I don't want to overemphasize our friendship. We were sort of pen pals. Mm-hmm. Right. And uh, he would always right back the last communication i had with him was uh, probably less than a year before his death i had uh, finished a uh, 747 page commentary on first and second samuel uh, and i sent him a copy of it and uh, he wrote back sent me a note and uh, wrote bravo in all caps (laughs) Uh, he always used a a teal colored uh, flare soft tip pen to write with specific and uh uh, things I, I held on to things like that they're quite yeah. precious to me what yeah. to, I imagine it was a very tragic time for you um, and there were a lot of people in your life that I imagine that that you leaned on and and sought you know to help you get through it but what um, what what did he mean to you for you know I guess the the way he was very sincere I guess in his mm-hmm. response to you what did that mean to you well it was it was just a beautiful example of of care of pastoral care uh, from one human being to another um, and uh, a good example of you know many people are unaware that he was an ordained presbyterian minister mm-hmm. and he was he had intended to be a pastor until he his parents got a television set and he saw what passed for children's programming uh, and he felt called to do something better uh, for children, and so he changed his major at Rollins College, uh, changed it to music, actually. He composed all the music on the show um, and um, became, um, uh, we went to seminary during his lunch hour and in the evenings uh, while he was, uh, after he had started the neighborhood. He, he got a job at a TV station to learn the ropes so he would yeah. know how to do a program. Uh, and then later, while he was uh, doing the show, he would uh, go to seminary at lunchtime and night, and he was ordained uh, by the Presbyterian Church as an evangelist to children through the media, through the mass media. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was his, that was, he, he saw it all as a mission, as, a, as his calling. It and was it, so but it was evident in every a- a- avenue of life, not just on television. Yes. And I often, when I see clips of it now, I think... When I was a kid, I didn't see any of this as unusual. It was just mm-hmm. a nice man who was just talking to me. But I watch it back and I'm like, oh, he is speaking slowly. And mm-hmm. wow, like, he's talking about stuff that's very serious. Like, talking about current events in a way that is not the way that my parents ever talked to me about mm-hmm. current events. Just very factual and very real and just always ended with... Mm-hmm. And I think that's that was his gift. Was he was so good with feelings and just wanted everyone to be able mm-hmm. to express them and he wasn't afraid to take on some issues Mm -hmm. Uh, you may remember um one of uh, the more famous issues um had to do with race relations and not long after a motel manager in florida poured acid into a pool to keep black children from swimming in it uh he uh persuaded an african-american opera singer to appear on his program in the uh, role of a policeman 
and uh, his name was Francois. And he, um, uh, they had an episode with a sketch where Fred is sitting outside his make-believe house with his feet in a little kiddie pool of water. Uh, and uh, of, of the officer comes by and he says, "Don't you? Uh, wouldn't you like to sit down and cool your feet in this uh, in this water?" And he said, "Oh, it looks so good." And um, uh, but he said, "But I don't have a towel." And Fred <laughs> had one over his shoulder and he said, "Oh, but you can share mine." And so he sat down, uh, Officer Clemens, and uh, <laughs> put his feet in the water. And I think just that image was so important uh fred's feet were very pale they were very <laughs> white uh, he swam a mile every day but it was always inside, inside. uh and uh officer clemens had very dark feet but the image of those uh, sharing the same pool sharing the same towel and i think maybe 20 25 years later uh on francois last episode with them they reprised it uh, and did it again, and this time Fred actually dried his feet. Oh. Mm. Instead of just loaning him the towel, he dried his feet, and I thought that was very powerful. You mentioned at the beginning here um, that uh, it's unfortunate that you know, a lot of children today don't know him, but he is, um, for lack of a better term, making a comeback mm -hmm. with the documentaries, and then there's a Tom Hanks film coming out this year that's getting a lot of attention as well um, why do you think that is why do you think now people are turning their attention back to him i think one reason may be that we have become so divisive and so polarized it's so hard for anyone to have civilized debate anymore we choose up sides we don't even want to talk to people on the other side uh and i just sometimes i try to imagine how would fred address that uh I'm sure he could find gracious words even for some of the some some of the people out there that I can only shake my head at. Mm -hmm. uh, and I, I think part of that I think goes back to when in 1999 he was uh, given a lifetime achievement award uh, on television, uh, and and in 1997 something very similar, uh, uh, kind of a lifetime Emmy award. Uh, I think 99 was actually Television Hall of Fame he was inducted into. And I remember watching both of them and thinking, uh, boy, I'd love to see him tell those people off. You know, all those, all those uh, uppity, uppity, uh, you know, stars who think they're so special mm -hmm. and, and uh, who live such, in many cases, sordid lifestyles and things like that. And he was just as gracious as he could be. And he mm -hmm. thanked them all for the honor and for being there. And he reminded them that they didn't get where they were by themselves and encouraged them to be thankful for all the people who had helped make them who they were. And he called for a, uh, in his graduation speeches, he always called for a minute of silence to ask people to think of the people who had helped them get where they were. TV only gave him 10 seconds. But, wow. <laughs> but he called for 10 seconds of silence and uh, the cameras panned and people were out there crying. Uh, yeah. He kind of brought them back to earth. And I think he's a symbol of a more civil day and of the kind of person we need more people like him who can, uh, who can get across important truths without having to beat somebody over the head or criticize somebody else for it. Um, now, we need more people like Mr. Rogers, so I'm, I'm glad to see him making a comeback. Me too. That's wonderful. 
Um, thank you for sharing that story. And mm-hmm. I think we are running out of time, but we would love to know if this talk is going to come up again soon. And if not, you are a published author with many mm-hmm. books on <laughs> subjects of dealing with hard things. Um, could you yeah. tell us a little about your work there? Well, I'm not sure when this will air, but I'm, uh, I'll be doing uh, that presentation at Carborough United Methodist Church on September uh, 29. Okay. Uh, and uh, we'll be doing it at Millbrook Baptist in Raleigh on December 6th. Wonderful. We can put that information out too. Yeah, and uh, I, 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 we'll, we'll get this on before that. So, okay. Yeah. Thank and you so much. Oh, you're welcome. No. And I, I do have a book. It's, it's, it's a bit dated now, uh, no, but okay. uh, called Life After Bethany, which was yeah. a reflection on lessons learned after that. And of course, it includes stories about Mr. Rogers. That's wonderful. Well, thank you so much. This was yeah. a joy. Um, I know uh, we were talking before you came on about our Mr. Rogers experiences, and uh, um, it was really, really great to hear um which is all you're hearing today, but just to be affirmed once again that he really was that person in real life that he was on screen. So it's it's really affirming to hear that. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much, Dr. Carlidge. Uh, We'd love to have you back on sometime. We'd be happy to do it. Thanks. Thank you. (laughs)